This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, training camp has begun. It's still shirts and skirts. Uh, it sounds like as of Friday of this week, which is uh, July the 28th, sounds like the first day that they're going to go pads. Um, fans will be allowed down. I think the first day is the 31st, Monday. I know Stoney and I will be down there doing the show. I know you're going to try and get down there. Uh, how excited are you to see this team in action? Well, I'm, I'm really excited, and... Uh... I'm excited for the pads to come on, you know. I think a lot of these storylines that come out of camp the first week tend to go away come week yeah. two <laughs> when you put the pads on and when it, you're actually playing real football. And, um, look, I mean, there's been a lot of positivity, right? I think, you know, I was up north uh, over the weekend. I didn't get a lot of news. Um, you know, got a phone kind of blew up there. With, obviously, we knew there was a scare with uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. Um, that turned out to be not as bad. Uh, so, you know, might might have a chance to get him back on the field this weekend. Uh, but everything outside of that has been pretty positive around this team. I mean, you get some uh, good reports on, um, you know, some veteran guys that are taking another step. I mean, Amarase Brown seems like a guy who's uh, definitely had a, a hot start to camp. Uh, and then some of the rookies, you know, you hear about, uh, you know, Jack Campbell out there making plays and looking like he belongs. You hear about. Uh, you know, Sam Laporta feeling like, uh, you know, he's got a chance to fill in that number one slot uh, at tight end. So uh, I'm excited. I mean, there, there haven't, haven't been any, uh, um, you know, major setbacks yet. Uh, we know we still got a long training camp to go, but to see this team in action, I want to go see what the environment's like. I want to see the feel. I want to see how these people, how, how the coaches, how the players are handling uh, all of these expectations that have been thrown on them the last couple of weeks. I know they've all talked about it and said, hey, th- those are just words. We've got to go prove it. But uh, that does change the way that you approach practice. So uh, the one thing I always look forward to is just feeling that environment of the practice, feeling the speed of the of the practice, feeling the uh, efficiency, you know, as a fan and a former player watching practice to see how smooth it is, see how ready uh, this team looks to uh, hit week one running. Yeah, full line drill, one-on-one pass pro, one-on-one run. Hopefully they still have uh, the one-on-one run in there. Um, and we're going to get to a lot of the comments that Ben Johnson made 
uh, oh, just yesterday when he was talking about the offense. Um, it was his time to meet with the media. We'll get to those in just a moment. Uh, but I, since you brought up C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I do want to ask you this question. I was out of town as well, and even before I got the notification on my phone, some of the uh, individuals that I was with came running up right away. Hey, did you hear the news? And I, I obviously hadn't, um, and I wasn't even thinking about the Detroit Lions at the time. They are like, yeah, C.J. Gardner-Johnson went down, couldn't put any weight on his knee, and he left. Like, you know, and, and the – the feeling from some of the Lions fans that I ran into before we heard that it wasn't going to be as severe was almost one of panic. Now, when you heard the news, what was your initial reaction? You never want to lose one of your starters. You never want to lose a guy that you just signed in free agency, but your reaction to the impact on this team. Uh, it was a oh moment for sure, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, only because – you know, he's supposed to be a big-time player, right? I mean, he's supposed to be that guy that's going to solidify that secondary, that's going to show the young guys like Brian Branch and, uh, you know, even a Kirby Joseph and a Jerry Jacobs what it takes to play at a high level. Uh, and anytime you hear about injury this early into camp, it's just kind of – it's it feels like a dagger a little bit, right? Especially when it comes to a guy that you're counting on having a significant role for this team. Um you know injuries are going to happen, right? There, I'm, I'm not going to try to jinx anything, but there's going to be more injuries over the next couple yep. weeks of camp and in the preseason. You hope none of them uh, are severe. But that initial jolt kind of sucked because – and I think it really hurt because there's been nothing but positivity around this team for really the past uh, 10, 11 months. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. haven't had to deal After with – After the 1-6 start, right, it's yeah. been pretty much all positive. Right, you didn't have any severe injuries, you know, during that stretch, right? You didn't have a lot of uh, negative stuff come out. Um, you didn't really have anything that kind of jolted you that was like, damn, like this is going to put a, a you know, a hamp- kind of dampen our mood a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe we got to change expectations. But So that's what it really was. And then, uh, you know, even later that night or the next day, whenever it was, reports started to come out that – you know, he's going to be okay. It was like, okay, good, right? We didn't want to start uh, with that bad taste in our mouth, not with how much positivity has been around this team. Yeah, my reaction was one of, okay, you know, yes, you don't want to lose a player that's going to supposed to have a huge impact on your team. But I was also the mindset that, okay, we've been through this. You and I have both been through this on teams where you lose a player and – you, you, but you, you have to still feel the team. You still have to play games. You still have practice. And if the Lions are capitalizing on all that positivity, there really haven't been any subtractions, right? We didn't lose anybody in free agency where you're like, oh, shoot. Um, and there was nobody, you know, like you mentioned, that was lost due to injury at the end of last year. They've all been additions through the draft, through free agency, through guys coming back from injury. But if the Lions – are, are supposed to be and have the expectations of the team that we want them to be, a team that should win the, the NFC North, a team that should host a playoff game, that should win a playoff game, one injury shouldn't set the team back, unless that injury happens to your quarterback. That's the only one. Yeah. If, it, if, if that news was about Jared Goff, I'd be like, ah, yeah. well, <laughs> let's start thinking about the draft. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, I mean, especially on the, in the secondary, yeah, Gardner Johnson should have a huge impact and we want him to be a great player, but you've got Cam Sutton, you got Kirby Joseph, Tracy Walker's back, Emmanuel Mosley's working his way back. Um, 
and then you've still got some guys like uh, Ify, uh, you know, Melifon Wainu, uh, Brian Branch, Jerry Jacobs, um, you know, Will Harris, Chase Lucas. You've got guys there that you expect to to contribute, and some of those guys may get cut because the talent level has been raised to a point where you're not going to hold on to a guy that just it only made a roster because the roster was so bad. And so my reaction to C.J. Gardner-Johnson was, it, it was, I, I don't mean this to be callous, but okay, so what's next? You know, let, like, let's move on. Let's find a way for this defense to still have the expectations of being improved. Nobody is claiming that this defense is going to be a top five, top 10 defense. We're simply hoping that this defense is going to be middle of the pack. Yeah. If it's middle of the pack and the offense is what it was last year, now all of a sudden you're talking about a team, yeah, that should win the North. That should win a playoff game. So that was you know, kind of my take on injuries. Unless it happens to your starting quarterback, if you are a good team, you should be able to sustain a few of those. Now, if it happens at every position, if they lose a couple of guys up front, now you start to look at it and go, how many more can they possibly take? This was one at a position where they've, They've done a good job of solidifying that position. Now, I mentioned Ben Johnson. He talked to the media, and the first thing that he was asked was, where is this offense? How much better should it be? How different is it going into year two as opposed to year one? And he mentioned that they didn't have to go through the bulk of installation, of installing his offense, especially the way that he wanted it, the way that he wanted it to be called. Now it's more a matter of the guys that were there. Rookies, hey, it's going to be drinking through a, a fire hose. But the guys that were there, it's more about taking this offense and then solving problems. What does the defense present you before the snap of the ball? not having to look to the sidelines or come back after a play, but you can solve those problems on the run. What do you expect, especially early on in camp, from this offense in its year two of Ben Johnson's offense? I, I expect them to hit the ground running. I really do. I mean, you're returning a uh, majority of your starters on offense. You're returning uh, the majority of your staff on offense. I mean, no, Deuce Staley left, uh, running back coach, but um, you know, and you, outside of the running back position where you now have Jameer Gibbs and – and David Montgomery, I mean, everybody else should be uh, – this shouldn't be like a day one where you got to relearn the offense type thing. This should be like, yep, this is us. Let's go hit a, hit the ground running. Uh, you know, and it sounds like that's how it has been. I know, you know, saw a bunch of reports Tuesday where uh, it looked like the offense was just completely dominating the whole day of practice. Uh, and every drill they did, red zone, two-minute, whatever it was, seven-on-seven, seven, the offense just kind of had their way uh, with the defense. You like to hear that. Uh, it sounded like the defense came, kind of came back ready to go, a yep. little pissed off Wednesday. Aaron Glenn probably, you know, slammed the doors a couple times, told him, you know how it is in training camp. Yep. I mean, the coaches take it personal, they too. shout and scream, <laughs> <and> say <laughs> you a know, few they, bad words. Yeah, they take it personal. I, I'll tell you what, the biggest uh, excitement for me around Ben Johnson is what he's going to do this year to adjust, right? Because last year, I think the first half of the year certainly seemed like there were a lot of uh, Dan Campbell fingerprints still on that offense. You know, it seemed like, we're just going to try to play tough physical football where, you know, we're not going to try to mess the game up anywhere, you know, third and one, fourth and one, we're going to, you know, put our nose down, just grind and, you know, try to get that yard right late in the season. Obviously their backs are against the wall. So the game plan, the change, the, the play calls change a little bit different, um, you know, but we saw, saw more of Ben Johnson's creativity, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing this year, though, is, you know, every team now has, what, 10 games uh, of really stellar offensive play last year. They've got They're a not ton sneaking of up on, on anybody. You're not going to go out there and just expect to, uh, we're going to do what we, same thing we did last year, right? We're going to go into the season. We're going to do what we did last year. That's how you get punched in the mouth really quick because teams and coaches on other teams are going to figure it out and they're going to have an answer for you. Uh, I, I'm excited to see uh, how much more creative can Ben Johnson get, right? How much more creative can he get with uh, even a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown? Um, I know that we expressed some concerns the last couple shows talking about positions that still worry us. Receiver, you know, who's going to step up to be that number two guy, even number three guy around Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, but how do you get him more involved in the game plan? How do you make sure that you put him in positions like we see damn near every week with the Los Angeles Rams where it's like they have Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup's still wide open on damn near every pass play. It's like, you know what I mean? How do you get to that level uh, with your guy, right? Because I do think Amon Ross St. Brown is primed, like Jared Goff said, for uh, what was it, quotation, huge year, right? I do think he is primed for that. I do think he is ready uh, for that stage. If you're Ben Johnson, how much more creative can you get to just make, make him kind of the uh, vo- kind of the bell cow of that offense, yep. so to say, right? So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see it in the preseason. It's going to be another yep. uh, six, seven weeks before we do see, uh, you know, the creativity. But Ben Johnson, to me, I mean, he is he's the he's he's the uh, he's the engine that makes that offense go. You know, and the players haven't shied away from it. Uh, I don't think the coaches have shied away from it. And uh, this should be an offense that uh, the stories you're hearing so far about them practicing very well and getting the better of the defense is, is very promising and very encouraging. Well, and obviously we know Dan and Ben and all of our buddies that are on the coaching staff now listen to the Necessary Roughness podcast, and they addressed the issue of, we brought up last week, the concerns we had at the wide receiver position with Jamison Williams out. They added Denzel Mims, a trade with the Jets. Now it's not a it's a not a blockbuster trade, but they are addressing some of those areas. We also learned that Teddy Bridgewater on Monday was in to visit. He walked around, uh, visited with the coaching staff, saw the facilities. Again, you know, he did it in the offseason, but this time obviously out at training camp. And Ben Johnson was asked about Nate Sudfeld. And because we've heard a lot about Nate Sudfeld having, you know. Uh, great chemistry with the receivers, looking really good in you know shirts and skirts. We'll we'll find out how consistent he can be in the preseason games. But um, do you think the Lions are going to add Teddy Bridgewater or another backup quarterback? Because I'm not sold that that Nate Sudfeld is the answer at at number two. Yeah, I think for the reason of you know, not only bringing in a solid number two that you can have there where we all know, hey, if your quarterback has to miss a couple drives late in the game or if he's got to miss a quarter, if he's got to miss a game or two, can you have a guy, if you're a good enough team that you think you have playoff aspirations, which this team clearly does, you're going to need a guy that can get you through a couple games if it hits the fan, right? Um, This started back in April. I mean, we started hearing reports that the Lions already had a contract offer out to Teddy yeah, Bridgewater. And it was substantial. Right. And we don't know if, you know, I don't think that ever got confirmed or not, but those were the reports going back, uh, you know, three months ago. Obviously, last week we hear about the visit coming in. Dan Campbell def- definitely didn't shy away from saying uh, he loves him some Teddy Bridgewater, right? Here's the difference in my mind, though. Uh, if you bring in Teddy Bridgewater as opposed to Nate Sudfield, Teddy Bridgewater can push, in my mind, Jared Goff. Nate Sudfeld 
is your clear-cut number two. There's a big drop-off from yeah. Jared Goff to Nate Sudfield. Teddy Bridgewater comes in. You might have, I'm not going to say a con quarterback controversy, but if you have a player like that, John, and you know this too, anytime there's a backup, anytime there's somebody, if you're the guy and the backup's out there performing his ass off too, that's going to elevate your performance. Because Accountability, you're going you're to start, start feeling guys breathing down your neck a little bit. I don't think Jared Goff is in any sort of trouble uh, from losing his job to a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. But I do think that breeds competition in that room. And I do think that makes, ultimately will, will make, uh, Jared Goff a better quarterback because he knows, hey, if I start making mistakes, man, if I start having games where I'm turning the ball over, you know, like New England last year, whatever, two, three, four times, you know, they got they're, not gonna to go to. they're not going to hesitate to sit my ass on the bench because they've got a guy that might be able to provide a spark behind me as opposed to just coming in and basically saying we're going to lay down for the game, get healthy, get ready for next week. So that's where I think that uh, ultimately the Teddy Bridgewater talk could be beneficial um, because it would really solidify uh, top-end competition, in my mind, in that quarterback room. And that's something that, honestly, I think Jared Goff needs a little bit of, right? And I'm not saying he's gotten comfortable, right? But we've seen Jared Goff the past couple years. It's been a lot of highs. It's been a lot of lows, right? When it's good, it's really good, right? When it's bad, it's bad. It's hard to get out of sometimes. And the Jared Goff conversation is we're putting we're putting all of our eggs in the Jared Goff basket, right? That's just what we're doing, right? We're not putting our eggs in this team because, uh, you know, of Dan Campbell and of Ben Johnson and of the defense, right? We're we're assuming that Jared Goff is going to have another stellar year or at least uh, be consistent to what he was the last ten games of the year. That's going to be huge for this team, right? Because ultimately, we know in the in in NFL games right now, the most important position is quarterback play. Right. You can't go out there and throw for, you know, I don't think this defense is good enough, uh, you know, to, for a quarterback to go throw for 80 yards and, and then your defense just shuts them out. And you're winning 10 to three games. Those don't happen very much anymore. So uh, we're putting all our eggs in that Jerry Goff basket. And I think bringing in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater can push him to be even better. Well, and you talk about the byproducts of bringing in a Teddy Bridgewater. One of them is the competition with Jared Goff. It's pushing him. It's another set of eyes in that, uh, you know, quarterback room, an experienced guy. Not that a, anybody in there needs another set of eyes, but it's that competition. It's because you mentioned it's the good, it's the bad of Jared Goff. You've got a guy that you can go to if he gets in a slump. It's also, they've made not a huge investment, but there's an investment in Hendon Hooker. Now, all of a sudden, Hendon Hooker, while you know quarterback coach, head coach, offensive coordinator are all focused on and everybody is focused on Jared Goff and making him giving him all the tools necessary. You've also got a guy in Teddy Bridgewater if he does come here that can also be whispering into Hendon Hooker's ear and Hendon Hooker can, you know, ask the questions of him. Maybe he doesn't want to, you know, ask Mark Brunel in the middle of a meeting, what about this? He could sit there and be like, "Hey, um Teddy, what, what do I do in this situation? What's going on here? What are you looking at? Because he's got great experience. He's going into year 10. He's been around the NFL. He's had game experience, starter experience, backup experience. All of those things are a benefit to Jared Goff. It's a benefit to that room. And it's a benefit to the investment that they've made in Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker's probably not going to see the field this year. We know he's not going to see the field during training camp. They've already stated that. So you've got to be able to get reps one way or another, they're not going to be physical reps. They're going to have to be mental reps. And what better guy than a guy like Teddy Bridgewater to show him how to get those mental reps. Number two quarterback's going to get not get a lot of reps. They're going to have to do it mentally. And I think it's a great example for Hendon Hooker. 
Um, the some of the other things that he talked about, you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, he got a text message. Uh, ben Johnson did from Jared Goff. They were working out in California. Uh, and Ben Johnson said he looked at his phone and it was a text from uh, from Jared Goff that simply said, Amon Ross St. Brown, huge year. Do you think Amon Ra can be a top five or top 10 receiver in this league? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I think it all depends on the creativity, like going back again uh, about Ben Johnson and how he's going to find ways to use St. Brown and to get him open because uh, we mentioned the, the wide receiver room. Uh, nobody else is really going to draw a ton attention. Of attention from the opposing team's defenses. Not until you at least you get into these games and the other guys start making plays, right? But week one, when you line up against Kansas City, I guarantee you they're going to have number 14 bracketed, right? That's just what they're going to do. They're going to try to play, you know, one-on-one -on, -one on your number two or number three guys. Uh, Sam Laporta, nobody knows yet. I mean, we're hoping he can be a threat kind of in the middle of the field uh, to draw some of that attention away from those outside guys. Uh, but you're going to have to be creative with how you use him, how you motion him, how you align him, what kind of uh, – um, drawing a blank – what kind of personnel you use yeah. uh, to dictate what the defense is going to respond with, right? And, and that's why he's that you know, you watch these other teams, and I hate to keep going back to this, but guys like Cooper Cup, you're like, he's the only guy that they've got. How is he wide open? How is he one-on-one -on -one with a wide receiver? Or, or I'm sorry, with a linebacker, right? How is he one-on-one -on -one no. with the safety? How is he not? And it's the way that, you know, Sean McVay and the offensive staff use him with motion and, and with alignment and stacking him somewhere. And you know what I mean? So those there's, there's, there's ways to get around that. And that's for me going to be uh, going back to just that earlier conversation about Ben Johnson, how you're going to use him. But yeah, I think Amon Ra certainly still has a giant chip on his shoulder. Uh, you know, he, he was just talking a couple of weeks about uh, ago about, uh, you know, how he still keeps a list of all the wide receivers yeah. that were drafted ahead of him <laughs> just a couple of years ago. Uh, we know he's a guy that is not going to get comfortable with any sort of success. We know he's very hard on himself. We know that when he makes, uh, you know, one drop on the jugs machine, he's going to go out there and catch 200 straight because he just has that type of competitive drive to him where he wants to be perfect. And I do think that. Uh, he is one of those guys that is primed for a, a very big year. And it's it's also going to depend on Jared Goff too, right? It's going to be to depend on Jared Goff. Jared Goff, in my mind, still needs to take another step uh, for this team to really solidify uh, the expectations and the beliefs that uh, they have a chance to make a run and do everything that like we all think they can, which is – be in the hunt for the division, obviously get in the playoffs and make some noise. It's going to come up to, it's going to be up to Ben Johnson. It's going to be up to Jared Goff. Well, and, and when you talk about being up to Jared Goff, what I believe is, is going to be up to him is one, the accuracy operating this offense, but it's also, we heard from Amon Ross St. Brown early in the off season that he wants to also be a guy that can take the top off the defense. He wants to be a deep threat and you can have guys open deep all the, all you want, but you've got to have your quarterback to be able to get on the ball can Jared Goff, in taking those next steps and being a reliable quarterback, not just on the crossing routes, not just on the easy outs, the the, the seven to twelve yard passes, can he be a guy that when Amon Ra is open deep, that takes the top off the defense? It can hit him. Jamison Williams, when he comes back in week seven, can he be a guy that you know that Jared Goff can hit down the field? Those will all be things that open the the 
open up the defense for Amon Ra to continue to get his catches, to get his touches. Another guy that you mentioned, Sam Laporta, and Ben Johnson talked a lot about Sam Laporta. The early return, early reports are that he's fitting extremely well into this offense. Now, the challenge for a tight end is not just, hey, I got to learn the routes, got to learn, you know, the NFL defense, when I'm doing what and where I've got to be, when I've got to be there, but it's also blocking. And he's taking reps with the first team. No surprise, I don't think, to, to either of us. But he said, you know, Ben Johnson said he's earned the right to be in the first team huddle. That's today. Tomorrow, he may not earn that right because he's got some other reliable tight ends that, you know, have NFL experience that could be in there. But I'm excited to see what Sam Laporta can do in the passing game, how they bring him along, how they utilize him, how they get him some touches early to get him comfortable, but also in the run game. What does his footwork look like? Is he Does he understand the concepts of the run game? Hey, you know, this is supposed to be a cutback run. If he's frontside, but it, it, it ends up playing like he's backside, where are hat and hands? All of those different things, to me, are going to be a big tell early on when they play the Giants, when they play Jacksonville. They're going to have the opportunity to have those, you know, practices with those other teams. Those are going to be important for guys like Laporta, guys like Campbell, Um but they're also going to be very telling as to how ready they're going to be to play. What are your expectations for Sam Laporta this year? Well, I would tell you, I think that um, the early reports that we're hearing about Sam Laporta, I think of one thing. And I think that uh, it's, to me, he is grasping the game of the NFL and the offense on the mental side of it, right? right? He's doing the right things. He's being where he's supposed to be, right? He's He's learning how to... Uh, adjust routes based off of coverage, right? That's a big thing in the NFL that's different uh, than a lot of college schemes, right? College, it's, hey, line up, you're running this route. NFL, it's, hey, you're running this route against, but if it's cover two, you got to do this, right? If it's man, you got to do that. If it's cover four, you got to do that, right? There's a lot of mental gymnastics that go into how these uh, route runners have to operate uh, post-snap football. And to me, when I hear that he is fitting in with the number one offense, uh, look, you, you go back and you say, okay, they're still in shorts and, and helmets and jerseys, um, but that tells me he's doing what he's supposed to do uh, because the coaches can trust him. They can say he's not a guy that's going out there going the wrong way, right? It, it, coaches don't have uh, a high tolerance for players that are messing up drills and messing up plays because it just throws off the rhythm of practice. So for Sam Laporta to earn those first string uh, reps is telling me that he is he's there mentally. He's ready there mentally. Now we're going to find out over the next couple of weeks, if the physical aspect matches, because now you're going to put the pads on. And we all know it changes when you put the pads on, John. Yeah. We, me and you have, have uh, hit on that uh, uh, endlessly. Um, but my expectations for Sam Laporta, look, I think, uh, you know, I even mentioned, uh, we talked about this either last episode or maybe two will go, and um, you talk about rookie tight ends. I mean, there it's, it's very unusual that a rookie tight end just comes in uh, to the NFL and explodes, right? Even guys like, uh, the best ones right now, Travis Kelsey and uh, Kittle. George Kittle. I mean, you look at their rookie stats and you're like, okay, solid production, you know, 30, 40 catches, a couple hundred yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be unrealistic and say I, I see Sam Laporta, you know, catching 75 passes for 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. That would be awesome. Uh, but those aren't my expectations for him. My expectations are to uh, solidify that tight end spot. We've seen a lot of, uh, revolving, uh, you know, bodies in and out of there over the past uh, year and a half. Obviously, Hawkinson was the guy, and then after him, it was 
Brock Wright and Zilstra and and James Mitchell. And, and you know what I mean? Like you, you'd like to try to go in there just with the number one guy um, that is going to be a consistent on that field to be a threat, uh, play in, play out. And I expect him to, I expect him just keep improving, right? I think he's gotten off to a hot start. I think obviously anytime you're a rookie and you hear your coaches and your teammates kind of sing your praises a little bit, that gives you a good feeling. Um, but if I'm Sam Laporta, I certainly wouldn't get comfortable for the reasons that you mentioned. You've got other guys in that room yeah. that are still hungry for a job. You've got other guys in that room uh, that are that are, are proven NFL players that the coaches know they can go back to anytime uh, things start to slip a little bit. So uh, for him, it would be don't get comfortable. Just continue to prove uh, week in, week out. And and uh, whatever he's doing seems to be working. Yeah. So when the pads come on, make sure you take it up another level. In regards to numbers, I'd like to see. I mean, I, I, I'm again, I'm not going to shoot uh, for the moon. I think solid numbers would be 35 catches. If he can get average 10 yards a catch, that's going to be 350 yards, four touchdowns, you know, be a weapon in the red zone. I think all of those are attainable, especially in this offense. Can he surpass them? Sure. Uh, but somewhere in that ballpark, I think it's going to be good for him. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to hear from Aaron Glenn over the weekend. We've heard from Ben Johnson. We've heard from uh, Dan Campbell. We're going to get a chance to hear, hopefully, from Aaron Glenn. Talk a little bit more about this. I'm excited to get down there on Monday. I know you're excited to get out to camp. Uh, and we do want to hear more about, hey, what's James Houston look like? What is – how how bad, how soon should we expect C.J. Gardner-Johnson to be back? Uh, and what type of steps are some of these young defensive players taking? Uh, Kirby Joseph, Jack Campbell, uh, you know, and, and the like. So when we get a chance to talk again next week, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk more defense. We'll give you some perspective of what we've seen, what we feel down at training camp. So make sure for all your Lions information, you stay tuned right here on Necessary Roughness.